Thank you, Karen. And thank you, Ashley, for ministering in music. <clears throat> Before we interact with God's Word, I want to just share a few things as it relates to encouragement for us as a local church. As you check into your flight to see your family, you're asked which plane you want to fly on. The one with the right wing only? Or the one with the leg or left wing only? Or the one that has both wings? I don't think there'd be any question in your mind. You choose the one with the both, both wings. Let the body of Christ be represented, our local church be represented by the body of the plane. The right wing will be the home, husbands, fathers leading, teaching their wives with prayer, scripture, and the one another's of scripture. The left wing will be our local church providing corporate worship, scriptural teaching, body life, and equipping for daily life. Will you choose a plane, if you please, a church with a right wing or a left wing or both wings? Nothing can take the place of a husband, a father, leading and teaching his wife and children with prayer, Scripture, and the one another's in Scripture. That's right, nothing. Nothing can take the place of a godly pastor and elders providing corporate worship, scriptural teaching, one another's of Scripture, and equipping for daily living. That's right, nothing. Both wings are essential. And down through the pages of church history, you'll find the enemy Satan has lured churches to neglect one wing or the other. He doesn't care which. Neglect one or the other, and the church will not be what God designs it to be. For myself and the elders, it's our desire to encourage you as husbands and fathers to be leading your families. We give a home discipleship out, sheet out each week a tool that maybe could be used. Lord willing, in the next few weeks we'll be providing a tool, and again, if you want to use it, dealing with catechism, you know, what we believe, why we believe, encouraging you to use that with your family. As it relates to the church, I want to present something on Christian Home Basics, a wisdom study. Again, just seeking to emphasize both wings as a local church. As we interact with God's Word this morning, I want you to think about the physical body. You get a choice. Would you be willing to part with one of these? Your heart, your lungs, your blood, your liver, or your brain? Would you be willing to part with one of them? Well, if you choose to, you will find that the body is designed to function as a unit. You part with any one of them, and you cease to exist. God uses the body as an illustration, the physical body as an illustration of the body of Christ, of the relationship between Christ 
and the church. And we're in the process of doing a short series on the body of Christ and the church. And just in way of review, last week we talked about Christ as the head and his body, the church, are a unit. They're one. The body, the church, is dependent upon Christ, just as the physical body is dependent upon the head. We love Christ by loving his body, that is, the church believers. To neglect the body of Christ, that is, the church, is to neglect Christ. You can't separate them. I want to look at several passages this morning, but reflect on a false teaching that has been floating around for a long time. A believer in Christ can be in right relationship with God, with Christ, the Holy Spirit, and be confident of heaven without a big biblical commitment to a local church. Be re- rightly related to God, to Christ, the Holy Spirit. Be, short of, be assured of heaven without a biblical commitment to a local church. Again, that's been present for a long time. It was present when the writer of Hebrews was writing to people, you know, apparently they were struggling with you know, biblical commitment to a local church. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In Romans 1 through 11, Paul discussed a variety of things. Some people call it doctrine. He dealt with sin, the fact that the whole human race is given to sin. He dealt with Christ, the fact that through Christ there can be justification, there can be forgiveness, there can be redemption. He dealt with what we have in Christ, dead to sin, Christ at work in us. The Spirit of God is at work in us. In Romans 9, 10, and 11, he dealt with the sovereignty of God. Then in chapter 12, in verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. One of those mercies we sang about a little earlier, grace greater than our sin. I battle with sin. I make the assumption you battle with sin. And sometimes you dwell in sin more than you dwell in Christ. But one of those mercies is that in Christ we have forgiveness because of his grace. But in light of these mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And verse 2, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world is the pattern of thought that just lets God out of the picture. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. 
If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Then Paul goes on, talks about love. He talks about, in chapter 13, relating to governmental authorities and so on. But in verses 3 through 8, he talks about the body. And he makes it very clear that within the body, the physical body, in the body of Christ, God has gifted believers. He has given abilities. Some teach, some give, some encourage, and so on. But he states that there are many members, and these members do not all have the same function. It's true in the physical body, so it is in Christ. We are many form one body, but we belong to one another. And then he talks about a man using, believers using their gifts because they're needed within the body. There's one body, obviously the head Christ, believers, the body. Believers are dependent upon the head, and according to this passage, believers are dependent upon one another. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We won't turn to Romans 14, which is on PowerPoint, but we'll go to 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, we find something similar being presented. As you're turning to chapter 12, I'll read a few verses from chapter 1. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and we know that the church in Corinth had some major issues and major problems. But yet he says in chapter 1 and verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Right into a church, says you're sanctified, called to be holy. In verses 10 through 17 of chapter 1, he talks about the fact that they were divided. Some were following Peter, some Paul, some Apollos, and others said, I follow Christ. And Paul says it shouldn't be that way because that's not the way God designed the body. You're dependent upon one another. You need one another. In chapter 5, he says, your boasting is not good. When they were boasting about allowing sexual immorality in the church, he says, don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. He talks about the fact that a little yeast works through the whole body. Again, emphasizing the fact that the body is one, dependent upon each other. But in chapter 12, he begins a chapter by talking about spiritual gifts. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about the gifts that are given by the Spirit, different gifts, but yet used for common good. And then in verse 12, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. 
Do you ever think about the amazing unity within the physical body? I can do it now. I'm not sure in a few years I'll be able to, but there have been occasions where I've been putting something in a cupboard, it drops. Instantly, my hand catches it. I didn't stop and think about it. You know, the body's working in this unit. The brain is working. The body's working. There have been times when I've been jogging, and my one foot bothers me sometimes, and I'll hit something or hit a rock, and you know, my, I'll go down. I usually don't fall. I never have fallen in that circumstance. Why? Because the body works as a unit. The rest of my body compensates for what is happening with my foot. The body is a unit made up of many parts. And he says in verse 13, or the end of verse 12, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit and in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. So as in the body, there's many parts, but yet one body. So in this body of Christ, there's many parts because we're baptized by the Spirit into one body. Functioning as a unit. And then in verses 14, through the end of the chapter, he talks about the body and its unity. In Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4, similar truth is presented concerning the body. In Colossians 1, 15 through 23, we find that, again, he talks about the body, the head, the body, the body functioning, being purchased by Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he again talks about the body and how the body of Christ functions. In Hebrews 10, 19 through chapter 13, he talks about the body very strong in Hebrews 10, and how the body is to function. And we find that in 1 John, that is also present. You would turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. In verse 5, 1 John 1 and verse 5. This is a message we heard from him and declare to you, that is, from Christ. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In verses 1 through 4, he talks about Christ. Christ being revealed, they heard him, they saw him, they touched him. And then in verses 5 through 7, he talks about relationships. Having fellowship with one another. The blood of Christ keeping us clean. Then go over to chapter 4. In verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For everyone who... For everyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Talking about relationships, loving one another, caring for one another. If you're going to love God, you're going to love Christ. Then you love the body. You love other believers. In light of the passages we looked at, salvation Reconciliation, regeneration are relationships with God, with Christ, 
the Holy, with the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ and local shepherds. We didn't look at the local shepherds a lot, but clearly stated in other passages. Salvation, reconciliation, regeneration is a relationship with God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ and local shepherds. You can't separate them. You can't separate them any more than you can say, I'm going to separate my heart from the rest of my body. I'm going to separate my blood from the rest of my body. All goes together. You can't separate them. Since Scripture uses the physical body to illustrate the body of Christ, much of what is true in the body, physical body is true in the body of Christ. You can't separate the physical body. It's a unit. It functions as a unit. So I go see Dr. Scott in March, and I say, Hey, Doc, you told me years ago my lungs had some problems. Why don't you just take them out? Separate them from the body. He'd look at me and think I really went loony. Now, if I said, how about a lung transplant, that would be different. But you can't separate the body. It's dependent upon the head and one another. So some applications in light of the scriptures we discussed. Being a member of the body of Christ means you're united, have union with Christ. Stick that one in your brain and mull it over. We, as those who have come to Christ by faith, are united We have union with Christ, the creator, the one who hung on the cross. We're united to him. We're part of him. I don't know about you, but it just kind of blows me away. Creature united to creator. Having union with Christ means you're in union with other believers in Christ. Have union with Christ. All believers in Christ, have union with Christ, so we're in union with other believers. Being united to Christ and being a member of the body of Christ are two sides of the same coin or the same dollar bill or five dollar bill. You must accept both sides if you want the coin or the dollar bill. You cannot pick and choose. To claim to be in Christ but to neglect the body of Christ is to reject the living Christ and the written Christ, which is Scripture. I need a volunteer. And if you're interested, it's a $5 bill. Any volunteers? Liran, would you come up here, please? I thought about bringing a 50, but I wasn't ready to part with a $50 bill. Okay, Leron, here's a $5 bill. Is that the front or back? That's the front. What's this? That's the back. Are they the same or different? They're different. They're different, okay. Would you like to have the $5 bill free? Sure. Sure? Okay, you get it. If you make a choice, you want the front or the back? The back. You want the back. Okay, now you have to divide it then and take only the back. Did you bring a razor? No, I didn't bring a razor. (laughs) 
You think you could do it with a razor? You can try. You can try. I'll give it to you anyway. You take a $5 bill, you need the front and you need the back. Now you could have it tore a little, tore off and you take it to the back and they'll give it to you. But you've got to have at least half, I think it is. But you take the front and the back, you can't separate a $5 bill. It's a unit. The body of Christ is a unit. Christ cannot be separated from his body. I have a quarter here. Do you want the front or back? You say, that's irrelevant. You got to take both. Yes, you take both. And as you read scripture, the body of Christ involves the head and the body. Being a member of the body of Christ is displayed by consistent body life, the one another's from growing desire. We need one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. Rescue one another. That's not the word used in Scripture, but, you know, someone drifts. Go after them. Correct. And so on. We need that. Whether it be one-to-one or one-to-two or three. Consistent, faithful corporate worship from a growing desire. We need that. Following local church shepherds. We need that. As you study Scripture, that's part of being committed to Christ, part of being committed to a body. So to neglect the body of Christ by neglecting consistent body life, consistent corporate worship, and following local church shepherds from growing desire is to neglect Christ. You neglect the physical, what is seen, the body of Christ, you neglect the head because they're related. They're connected. To claim love for Christ while neglecting consistent body life, corporate worship, and following local shepherds means one is deceived. Coming from James chapter 1. I'm not talking about frequency or anything else at this point in time. To neglect by choice consistent body life, consistent corporate worship and following local shepherds means one is spiritually sick. See, sometimes we think we're doing well when we may not be doing well. Christ spoke to the church. The churches, I should say, in Revelation 2 and 3. And of the seven that he spoke to, five of them, he said, you're not doing well. And the last church that he spoke to, they thought they were doing well. We're rich. We don't have any needs. And Christ said, you're poor. You're naked and so on. You don't see your real condition. And sometimes we don't see our real conditions. And I've had people over the years speak to me, particularly in the context of body life, and say some pretty hard things to me. That if you're going to live it as an island, you're not going to do well. I had to accept that rebuke. I'm a member of a body. And I think I'm much more open than I used to be because someone has encouraged me, someone, more than one, over the years, to practice body life. Because by nature, I withdraw. 
not always seeing my real condition. Someone comes along and says, Pastor Dan, this is your condition. There is no substitute for consistent body life, corporate worship, following church shepherds. That's just God's plan. There's no substitute. That's the way God designed it. There's no substitute. Commitment to consistent body life, consistent corporate worship. Consistent following local shepherds is foundational to godly marriages, God-honoring parent-child relationships, good employee-employer relationships relating to our government, godly relationships with unbelievers and victory over Satan. As you read Scripture, you read the epistles, relationships to Christ and the body of Christ come before marriage, the home, the job, and so on. Our relationships with the body of Christ, with Christ, are key to family, to job, to government. So if we neglect the body, we're hurting the other areas of life. I can vouch for Ruth Ann and I that in our relationship, in our marriage, and this is more on my end than her end, that our marriage early on was deeply influenced because I lived more as an island than as a member of a body. There's some people fairly early in our marriage said some strong things to me. Body life, I needed that. Oh, I was consistent in corporate worship. I was seeking to follow a shepherd. But some people said some pretty strong things to me about my, who I was. Don't you know, Dan, you can't live as an island? You're hard to talk to. You don't talk much. You're part of a body. I needed to hear that for me to grow, for me to mature. A passionate love for Christ, the head, is displayed through a passionate commitment to consistent body life, consistent faithful corporate worship, and following local church shepherds. Jerry, you want to take me to reality? Just a couple slides down. We need one another. I tend to be quite reserved. I tend not to be overly bubbly. But there was a brother in Christ one time, and I'll explain who it was in a minute. We were together. Ruth Ann was away and still living in the parsonage at the time. This goes back a few years ago. And we were both kind of down. And uh, I said, Ed Pavlik gave me this video to watch. Let's watch it. And we watched it, and the speaker was trying to encourage us to lighten up. And it wasn't the guy you men heard in the men's class. And the speaker as was going on said, you need to learn to laugh. And again, both of us that night were struggling some. And the speaker said, grab your belly, hold on to your belly fat, 
and just laugh. So this other person and I, we grabbed onto her belly fat, neither of us had much, and we just, <laughs> and we, you know, if someone would have been present, they would have thought we were crazy. And we get done laughing, and you know, we went on for quite a while. And we both said, you know, we really feel different. What's my point? The other guy that was down was my son, Chris. I'm not sure what he was down about. He was still in college. Ruth Ann went away on wherever. We needed each other that night. We needed the person that was speaking. We need the body. Living in passionate commitment to consistent body life, one another's, consistent corporate worship and consistent following local church shepherds can be messy. Frustrating, discouraging, trying, and difficult. But in Christ, we have all we need. The reality of living out the body of Christ in dependency upon Christ who is the head can be difficult and messy and frustrating at times. Sometimes we're proud. We don't want to listen to someone. We're talking about someone speaking truth into our life for encouragement. We just want to take care of ourselves. Sometimes we display self-sufficiency by just kind of hiding I'm going to tell one on Ray here. I, this isn't a reflection on you, Ray, but called Ray one day and uh, he said, Pastor, are you okay? I said, I think I'm okay. I didn't know where he's coming from. He said, Pastor, are you really okay? I said, yeah. I said, why do you ask? Well, he said, Sunday morning you had your hair combed down a little more than normal. thought maybe something was growing up there. <laughs> And I said, no, Ray, not that I know of. The reason he brings that up is because I did that. Years ago when I had my skull, before I had my skull tumor removed, I told Ruth Ann, you don't tell a soul about it. My hair was thicker then, you know, I had more of it. And I could comb it such that no one ever knew it. What was I doing? I was showing my pride and my arrogance. <laughs> and my self-sufficiency by hiding. See, that's part of the messiness. That's why someone has to say, Pastor, are you really okay? Because I tend to hide. Sometimes we battle with a hurt in the past, a hurt that it may involve some church or some believers, and it causes us to withdraw, and we just don't. Well, I don't know if I want to be too involved in church and so on. We may fear others hurting us. If I get too close, I might get hurt. We may fear not only hurting others, but also being hurt. Sometimes we just battle with, I don't have time for corporate worship. I don't have time for body life. 
What if my shepherd leads me wrong? Well, that can be messy at times. I've been hurt by leaders. We struggle with the reality of living out body life, of corporate worship, of following leaders. My question is this. Are we willing to address what we struggle with through Christ to be obedient? The grace of God, the reality of Christ in us is greater than any struggle we have that keeps us from relating as God designs to the body of Christ. To this day, there's a guy that I occasionally talk to, another pastor, And uh, sometimes we get into pretty deep conversation. And he'll say to me, Dan, I wish I wouldn't have called you today. And I'll say, likewise. Why do we say that? Because we have challenged one another to the core of our being about how we're relating to the body. It's not that we didn't want to talk to each other. We're just saying, no, we struggle. And we need someone to speak the truth. There's one of you here this morning. Some years ago. Came to me and just. Said some things to me and. What you thought of me. Not in a critical negative way. Just you know who I was as a person and how I related. And my initial response was, I don't know about this. I didn't say anything. I just kind of take him back. And I said, explain what you mean. And the person explained what they mean or meant. By the time where they were done, I said, thank you. I needed that. That's messy. For someone to have the guts to come to their pastor and say, pastor, this is. I'm thankful they did. It changed me. But I needed it. But it's messy. For Ruth Ann to say, Dan, this is the way you are as a husband. I really like this part, but that can be messy. Do I have to get up and be with other believers this morning? No, that can be a struggle. I'm not presenting something and saying it's just peaches and cream. We live in a broken world and there is difficulty that comes with it. So some questions. Do you desire to consistently experience body life? Do you desire to consistently experience corporate worship? Do you desire to consistently experience following local church shepherds? Is there a growing delight in experiencing body life, corporate worship, and following local church shepherds? Are you moving towards spiritual health with passionate desire? Have you considered the long-term consequences of passionate obedience?
within the last three years at a funeral for a man who was a teenager and into his 20s and into his 30s. He said to me quite often, Pastor, I really blew it. And he said, I was talking to a man one time, an older man, who asked me, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I'm a Christian. And the older man said to me, well, if you're a Christian, your life doesn't show it. And he said, that was a wake-up call. God saying to me, you're not where you should be. And from that point in time, I passionately pursued obedience to Christ. It showed in his life. Died in his 70s, but still passionately obedient. And he would say to me, Pastor, I just long to relate one-to-one with some people and share with them because of his physical condition he could not. He said, I long to be with other believers, but I can't, you know, physically. He was not able. But he was passionately obedient. He experienced the joys of that. Have you considered the consequences of willful disobedience? I trust that you have learned in life that when we choose to disobey, we may not see the results in the next year or two or three. We may see it 15 or 20 years later, or we may see it in our children and in our grandchildren. Just as there are results to passion and obedience, there's not so good results to willful disobedience. You consider the results of willful indifference or neglect. Well, I'll just coast along. That has a consequence also. In your heart, do you passionately desire to live in close relationship, you know, in total obedience to God? If so, why don't you share it with someone else? If in your heart you desire to live in as close to disobedience as possible, are you open to someone confronting you and saying, don't go down? that road. At points in life, we come to crossroads. And at those points, we have to say, God, you challenged me, you've spoken to me. Now we have a choice. Will I respond to God or will I go the opposite direction? God has spoken to you this morning. You say, God, you've spoken to me. I want to obey. There are points in my life
that God spoke very deeply to me through other believers. And each of those points brought a choice. And one of those points in time was a number of years ago when we were going, <clears throat> Ruth and I were on vacation and went to church with my mother. And the speaker spoke in Psalm 73. No, basically, what good does it do to follow God? The wicked don't follow God, and they have all kinds of things, and I follow God, and I'm really struggling. And the psalm goes on to say, well, look at their eternal destiny also. And as I listened, God really ministered to my heart. Dan, where's your heart? Where's the direction of your thinking? And because of what I was going through at that time, I was moving towards some bitterness. So in the context of corporate worship, listen to someone speak. I said, okay, God, I surrender. I'll make a shift. I'll respond to you. That was a turning point. Another one was within the last, that's probably half a year ago now, <clears throat> I spent some time alone as I do occasionally just reading and praying and I came home and I'd written some. And I said, Ruth Ann, you want to read what I wrote? And she read it. And she said some comments to me that just stabbed me to the heart. She didn't say it unkindly or out of order. I took those sheets, I reread them, and I thought, you know, what Ruth Ann saw in me came out in my writing. I said, okay, Lord, you've used another member of the body of Christ to speak to me. I repent. I went and I told Ruthann, I said, you know, you're right. I took those papers and I ran them through the shredder. That was a turning point. And that particular <clears throat> struggle has really lowered after I responded to Ruthann's rebuke. God has spoken, will you respond? I'm not asking for a public response. Will you say, God, I'll respond. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, <clears throat> Again, we're grateful for Christ. We're grateful for the body of Christ. We need the body. We show our commitment to, to Christ through our response and commitment to the local body. Father, as we have shared and interacted with your word and looked at some applications and implications of it this morning, we want to be those who are hearers of your word as well as doers. So if you've ministered to some people and challenged them, may they respond in obedience and then encourage them in living that out. If there are others that have been encouraged because they have been seeking to be sensitive to the body, the pattern of life, Encourage them to continue to be faithful. Father, we confess our need 
of other believers. In body life, in corporate worship, and to follow leaders. We love you. We desire to be faithful to you, Father. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.